0: To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message.
1: Morning reading comes from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, through chapter 10, verse 23. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, the son of Jebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely you give. Do not get get any gold or silver or copper or take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, You will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. First you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the band. Now you're going to put me right back in the joint. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God.
0: Six miles to Chicago. We've got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses.
1: Hit it.
0: I wonder if we felt the same way when it comes to the mission that we've been called to participate in. It's a long way to the mission field, and although we may have a full tank of gas, it seems really dark. And we're even blinding ourselves even more with preferences instead of God's purpose. But yet, we are on a mission from God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear your word, to hear your message for us. God, I ask that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but they would be your words, your words for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I would encourage you to have your bulletins. It does have a spot for your compass guides uh, with you that you can respond to different questions. It also has a spot where you can take some notes so that when the Spirit speaks to you today, you will write those down so that you remember those. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack today out of today's Scripture. Uh, the sending out of the disciples, rules for the journey, warnings, and the giving of authority. However, before all of that, we find a few verses about Jesus. Jesus has just taught the famous Sermon on the Mount, where we hear all about how we should live our lives and with each other and to how to grow in our faith. And immediately, following this teaching engagement, Jesus goes on a whirlwind healing tour. Leprosy. Blindness, paralysis, demon possession, bleeding, and even death are some of those in which Jesus healed. And this is where our message picks up. The passage that we had read. Verse 35 could be seen as a summary of what the previous five chapters was all about. You see, Jesus had gone through all the town's teaching, proclaiming the kingdom and healing everyone. But verse 36 gives us a little insight as to what is happening to Jesus right then. Because it starts off with when he saw the crowds. When he saw the crowds. All the teaching and the healing have produced crowds of people. Everybody was showing up. I dare say, even more than a Taylor Swift concert. All the crowds were gathered around and coming around Jesus. Maybe they were all in need of something from Jesus. Maybe Jesus was tired. After all, he has been teaching and healing all over the place. Maybe he was just looking for a little self care and wanted to do a little sport fishing, have a nice quiet dinner, or a round of golf, maybe a well deserved nap. But here are these huge crowds. Whatever is Jesus to do? So let me ask you a question, and maybe if you're uh, you're out there worshiping online, you can answer this in the chat. Even if you're in here and you're on your phone, you can answer it. How do you feel when you're tired, exhausted, frustrated with a never-ending task list, but yet people are still outside waiting for you? How would you feel? (laughs) <laughs> my daughter is going, just plug my ears. <laughs> when you're tired, you're exhausted, you're frustrated. Because we all have so much stuff that we need to get done, but yet there are still people waiting for us. Maybe they want to talk. Maybe they have questions. Maybe they want to uh, engage our help in something. What is, what is in your heart at that moment? Is it full of grace and love? Or is there something else festering inside? See, Jesus gives us an example. An example at that moment of how we are to live in those moments because He had compassion for the crowds. That's what Scripture tells us. Because verse 36 says, when He saw the crowds... He had compassion on them. He knew the needs and the desires of the people and knew that that He could do something about it. You see, we are called to have that same compassion. But what ever does that look like? What does that kind of compassion look like? What does it look like to have the compassion of Jesus? Is this also what it means to live a Christ-like life? Yes, I believe it is. You see, Jesus had compassion for the world's pain, the world's sorrow, the world's hunger, the world's distress. He had compassion for the marginalized of the world, for those who are struggling, those who don't have all they need, and, all, and those who some in, this, in today's society would say are unworthy. Jesus had compassion on them just as we are called to have compassion on them. Many times we see this in how people who do not look like us are seen as different. All people are God's people. And all are created in the image of God. Period. Full stop. Come on. All people are God's people and all are created in the image of God. That's it. I could walk away right now. But I won't. (laughs) Because that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. But here in this passage, I feel that Jesus' compassion came because He realized the scope of the work that was ahead of Him. And that He needed others to bring in to help bring about the kingdom. Jesus wanted help. We hear this because he told his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He knew that people were wandering and lost, as he said, they were wandering like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He even needs help. Even the good shepherd needs help with a harvest. Pray that the Lord will send workers into the harvest field. I wonder if the disciples actually understood that Jesus was talking about them as well. Jesus is giving them a mission, should they choose to accept it, to go out and do just what Jesus had been doing in His ministry. But what exactly was that? What was Jesus doing? What is the mission that the disciples had that particular day? And so here are Jesus' words. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. And do all of this without expecting anything in return. Well, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Given this huge task, this wonderful list of things that they needed to do, I dare say a divine task, one that would take Everything that they had. Everything that they had. But they were not supposed to accept things in return. Well, they would not be paid monetarily. Of course, they would have been fed, and they would have been given places to sleep. But just the basic necessities was all that they were to receive. Oh, wait. No, they were supposed to receive something else. And I wonder if you caught it. Persecution. Just as Jesus was despised by so many in the communities, they would also suffer the same fate. They would be laughed at, bullied, hit, eventually even killed. But this was the mission, the divine mission of God. Brothers and sisters, we have that same mission. Sure, our mission sounds a little nicer to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But what does that mean? Frankly, it means that we are participants in the mission of God, the mission of the Trinity. As we are sent out by God through the grace of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be given this power. This is not much different than what the disciples were facing in the story that we just heard read. It's not going to be easy. There will be people who do not like us for what we believe in. You ever run into that? There will be people who want to pick on us, to bully us, to hurt us, and even maybe even to want to get rid of us. But we are called to fulfill the mission anyway. We will not be accepted in all places by all people, but we're called to love them anyway. Reminds me of a poem that you might have heard before a poem If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spent years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. Such wise words. Wise words from a wise woman. This is our mission, should we choose to accept it. We need to share the gospel message, but who do we share it with? Who do we share the love of God with? Well, if we look at Jesus' words today, we, need to f- we find that he is telling the disciples that they need to stay away from certain areas from certain people. See in the passage today we hear that Jesus tells them that they should not go among the gentiles or the samaritans, just go out to the sheep of Israel. He's pretty specific about this. But why? I thought God's message was for all people. I thought Jesus wanted to share his love with everyone. Why is he limiting the disciples? couple of thoughts about this. It may be that the message was first for the Israelites, and once that was accomplished, the mission would then expand. I mean, we hear about the interaction between Jesus and and a Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15. He told her that he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, but she told them that even the dogs eat the crumbs from under the table. And Jesus begins to expand his ministry. Jesus also had a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well and he offers her new life even if the disciples don't understand because of who this woman truly was. However, it also might possibly be to limit the scope and area of the mission. This is early in the disciples ministry. And they're not fully aware of what to do and where to go. Maybe if they were told to go to the ends of the earth, that might have been a little overwhelming to them. They would have been able to, maybe they wouldn't have been able to handle that, that big of a territory. So Jesus tells them, keep it local for now. Maybe that's the kind of words that that we need today. Maybe we're thinking about our mission and the vision here at Journey of Hope, thinking about the, the multi-site campuses, the extending the ministries, the reaching multiple communities, and even reaching out to the whole world, and we go, it's just, it just seems like it's too much. It seems like it's too much space. We can't handle that much space. Can we bring it a little closer to home? Can we shrink the, the square footage of the mission field? at least until we get more comfortable I'd like to tell people who desire to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ especially when they're scared about being vulnerable in that way that they don't have to walk up to a complete stranger and say hey do you know Jesus Anybody comfortable with that <laughs> No They don't have to beat on their Bible and tell people that they're going to hell if they don't listen to you. They don't have to be like the bullhorn guy down on the corners who barks at everyone walking past. I tell them, start small. Start small. This is what Jesus is saying. Start start small. Start with what I would call your circle of influence. We all have them. We all have them. These are the people that you already know. These are your family, your friends, your co-workers, people at your kids' or your grandkids' baseball games and soccer games. A lot of times we have churches that, that talk about this and we've said this many times before. It's like, hey, we want, we want young families. We, we don't know how to reach out to them and call them in and to, and to invite them into worship. We don't know that many young families and frankly, there's a really strange thing with me going out to some random soccer game and just talking to people about coming to church. I said, well, you know what? You got kids. You got grandkids. You have people in your circle of influence that you can invite. And trust me, your words to them carry far more weight than they would if you just walked out onto a soccer field and started asking people to come to church with you. Not saying that you shouldn't do that. You still should invite people in. But start with your circle of influence. Start with those people. You see, because the other thing is, is that these are the people who know who you are. They know you. So if you talk to them about your faith, they're going to listen because they're interested. They have buy-in with you because they know who you are. If you're offering a witness to what God has done in your life, I guarantee you that they will listen to you. They trust you. And they are interested in your life story just as you are interested in other people's life stories. This is how you can share a testimony this is how you can share a witness. Even proclaim the kingdom as Jesus asks us to do. Who knows? One of your friends, your family, or your co-workers might need a positive word today. And they might receive healing through something that you say or something that you do. It's not always going to be easy. But this is what we are called to participate in. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. We here, we here worshiping online, we are the workers. The harvest is out there. The harvest is plentiful. We may be few. We're growing, but we may be few in numbers. But we can impact the world just by sharing with our circle of influence God needs each and every one of us. God needs you and you and all of you. Jesus sends His disciples out and says, "Go. Yes, you're going to get persecuted. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, there's going to be walls that are thrown up before you, but you are called to participate in this mission, to share the love of God with all people. That is our mission. Will we choose to accept it? Will you pray with me? Loving God, we hear your mission. We hear the words of Jesus telling us that we need to go live a Christ-like life. We are to go and share your love with everyone around us. So God, as we hear that mission, help us to fulfill it. Give us the words to say. Give us the people in our paths today and this week and beyond that that we can share that love with, that we can share Your grace with, and that we can invite into Your very presence. God, help us. Help us to do that. Encourage us when we feel that we can't. And give us the strength and the wisdom along this journey. Because God, here we are. Send us. Send us into our circles of influence. Send us, send us into our communities and allow us to truly witness for you. All this we lift in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you, in response, to stand and join in our closing hymn. It's a very familiar one. It's hymn number 593, and it is those words: "Here I am, Lord, send me." hope that that is your response. That when God calls you to the mission field, God's mission, that you say, here I am. Send me. I am here to do your will, God. And so as we go forth from this place, knowing that God has called us to that mission, and the mission field is just outside the doors, may you go knowing that the love of God is The grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you on that mission. It goes with you always. Amen.